Super Yacht Radio. Yes, and we all know what it means when we hear Bruce Springsteen playing through the system on a Friday. It can only mean one thing. Update USSA <laughs> with our wonderful, our beautiful, our enigmatic... Kitty McGowan. Kitty McGowan, the one in the... i got to get a drum roll going in here. Oh, yes, we have to have the drum roll. Good morning. Well, I should say greetings and salutations. We can't say good morning because it's not morning everywhere that's listening. That is true. Good um, day. Good day. There you good, go. Yes, good day. That's, good day, and it's a happy Friday. It is, and we were just talking about happy stuff. We've got guests with us today, Kitty. I do. I'm very, very excited to have our guest with us today. Uh, Tim Davey is the Managing Director of Global Marine Travel. And Sean O'Brien is our, he's like everything, everywhere guy. And Sean, I forgive me, I don't know your title. I mean, you're, I know you're a major player here, but Sean, what's your title? I prefer Emperor of Fun. <laughs> and, you certainly, and you certainly live up to that title, I can say. But uh, I guess when you get down to the official title, it's a sales manager of the private yacht division here at Global Marine Travel. I like Emperor. Wonderful. I like Emperor. Let's go with Emperor. Yes. We always I like Emperor of Fun. Yeah. Because if you've ever met, you, if you anybody who's ever listening who's ever met Sean, you would know that that's a very fitting and appropriate okay. title. The, the um, Genghis Khan of good times. It good is. But I figured it was great timing to talk about travel since none of us can do it. So if we can at least talk about it and maybe they can uh, give us some ideas and tips and ways to make travel a part of our lives sure. again because... If, it, I'm missing it. If, if we could take a moment, though, Kitty, because some of the younger listeners will be Googling the word travel. Um, so <laughs> just, just to see what, what does that word mean. Yeah. <laughs> where are we with, with that, that thing we used to do called travel? We're missing it. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it's the easiest thing when you have a schedule like Tim's and myself, Kitty, really anyone in yachting. I mean... Getting on a boat means you're getting on a plane first most of the mm. time. Um, and this is literally the longest stretch that I can remember not getting on a plane to go somewhere, um, yachting function or even personally. Um, and it could it's looking like it could be that way for, for just a bit longer here, unfortunately. Yeah, and um, you know, I agree with Sean there. But uh, I have just come off a plane uh, two days ago. Um, I had to go for a family event up in uh, Montana. Um, so I took a flight from Fort Lauderdale through to Denver and then Denver up to Kalispell, Montana, uh, and did the return as well. And it's certainly a different experience. Um, right from the moment you hop out of the car at the airport, with you know, you've got to put masks on and uh, hand sanitizer and so forth. Um, Going through security is pretty much the same, um, but everybody's behind a mask. Um, and then when you enter the aircraft, you're given a little packet of uh, PPO material, which includes a sanitation wipe to uh, wipe down the, the seat and the, and the tray in front of you. And everybody has to wear a mask during the flight. 
Um, and it, that's okay for uh, short-haul flights, you know, two to three, four hours. Um, but on that four-hour um, time, when that comes up, that mass really starts to irritate you. So my thoughts go out to those people that are managing to travel internationally now uh, where they have to keep a mask on for the entire flight. So for a lot of us in yachting who are from down under or uh, South Africa and the UK, you know, we're used to eight, nine, ten-hour flights. And, but be warned, we've got to keep our masks on for that whole entire period. Well, well we uh, recently, you know, it reminds me, we recently had an interview with Pippa Nicholas, who is a good friend of ours. Yep. And it, it's the first time we had an interview simply about her journey because she traveled from the UK through Amsterdam to, I, I believe, Atlanta and then down to Fort Lauderdale and then her return trip. And well, we did it, interview her on her life journey. Well, we've, we've had many interviews, but it's the first time we've had one about a journey. And it, was, it yeah. was kind of fascinating even to hear the cultural differences between her experience, say, coming into Amsterdam versus coming to the US versus coming into London Heathrow. All of them had different facets, different ways of doing things. And just it... it it's a totally different experience. And as you say, for the first time ever, most of us are not doing it where normally it's a universal experience. Most of us travel a number of times a year, at least. Um, but it, it was kind of bizarre because each stage was a little bit different. And I'm sure you can elaborate I'm a little sure. bit more, but each country is managing how they're doing it a little bit differently. I presume probably, and maybe you can elaborate a bit more, that different airlines are also managing it differently. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's kind of the Baskin-Robbins corollary. It's, you're going to walk in and you don't know which of the 31 flavors you're going to get handed. Um, and, and it can vary depending on exactly as you were alluding to. The destination, what's your passport, where are you coming from? Do you have a proper PCR test, you know, to, to prove that you're clean? Um, there's so many different variables. And, and our favorite, which even happened before uh, COVID, was just sometimes it's who you run into and who you're dealing with at the airports, mm -hmm. whether it's official government and health officials, whether it's the airline staff. Um, I will say that at GMT, we've been issuing tickets to move crew back and forth from their homes to job uh, nonstop. Um, of course, there's the initial flurry of musical chairs when the initial presidential order came out back in March. Um, and it's leveled off a bit. But um, we, you know, my job here is outside sales, but it's really morphed into something completely different where... I've pretty much become a, a sales support agent, and, and that is supporting the other agents because it's so critical to get updated information to them so that they feel comfortable. They know what they're selling. They know what the rules are and, and the protocols, et cetera. And we can, in turn, uh, at that point, give travel options accordingly to our clients. You know, that the, they need to understand the clients that going on to an Expedia or a Skyscanner, you're still going to be able maybe to find a, a cheap ticket. But there's no sniff at all about, well, you need a PCR test, well, you're going to need to file 
uh, and get a QR code in order to, uh, to embark on the flight. All sorts of things are going into this. And it's really, uh, it, it's an amazing thing. I mean, visas and things were always, you know, in, uh, uh, you know, question uh, before. But when you consider everything that's going on, it just adds a whole new dimension to this. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the word that we're um, using is patience. Uh, that's the big change in travel um, that we're seeing is be patient, expect the unexpected, expect um, authorities to change rules and regulations a la minute. Uh, but as Sean said, you know, we are trying to stay on top of um, all of these, um, all this information that's coming out and, uh, and relaying that to our, our clients as best we can. Yeah, and could I ask, is it an ever-changing landscape? I mean, are you finding that each week that there's some new rule, new regulation, new, new requirement, or are things pretty stable and, and you can get a, a grip on what's happening? No, it's, it's, it's not stable at all, <laughs> um, especially from an airline point of view. Um, we've had instances where we've booked the uh, flight and um, the airlines canceled the flight within mm. two days of departure. And they've cancelled it because they've had crewing problems or a vessel or an aircraft out of position. Um, so it, it's, there are changes from an airline level, at a government level, um, at a local airport level, wouldn't you say, Sean? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is a yin-yang. It's whenever something happens with border restrictions and control, the airlines are going to amend their schedules accordingly. If things relax, like what we were seeing probably about in the last three, four weeks ago, uh, and things were getting stabilized, we had a glimmer of hope, they would add flights back in. But now you see, um, you know, everyone's got the Florida syndrome. You know, they're getting spikes all over internationally. Um, I've seen notes where Qantas is not expected to open up international routes until March of next year. Yeah, you know, at, South at Africa the is another hot spot where there's not supposed to be any commercial airline service until probably November, and even that's subject to uh, to being amended and, and pushed back even further. So you know, it's a constant and um, a constant arena of regulatory changes and you know we stayed we try to stay very in tune with the different medical organizations risk management companies um etc cetera, etc cetera. just so again um our agents know what they're doing what to how to inform people what to tell them what to steer clear of um and just doing the best we can to keep keep things moving and I'll give you a really good example of that. I know that uh, some of the listeners out there today um, might have Filipino crew on board their vessels. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Philippines, Metro Manila, has just gone back into lockdown until August the 18th. And what that means is the government has said that they'll only allow 300 arrivals a day in Manila Airport. This is an airport that's used to getting 10,000 or more passengers a day, but down to 300, that's all they can cope. So the airlines airlines that had uh, flights scheduled in there all of a sudden have to readjust their scheduling or cancel flights and and so forth. And that that, that was, uh, you know, we got that notice within 24 hours. 
So what we've been doing when these situations um, pop up is we're turning our attention to charter flights and getting special permissions and creating uh, what we call safe crew corridors to move the crew from their homes to the vessels. Uh, I think to date we've had a dozen or so charter flights go, ranging from 10 people through to 300 people on a flight. So, yeah, I think we've demonstrated pretty well that it, it is confusing out there. It's very fluid. And I do like Sean's uh, analogy of the Baskin Robbins. <laughs> but I mean, but that really is your specialty. And that, I mean, that is the where, I mean, like moving around with crew, whether it's um, a yacht crew or commercial crew, that, I mean, that's really the area of focus where you guys are specializing in getting people in and out of places quickly, efficiently, um, in, as inexpensively as possible and with as much um, taking as much of the, the burden off of them. I mean, because like you said earlier, Sean, is that, you know, I can go on Expedia and find a flight, but they're not going to necessarily tell me that, oh, wait, by the way, if you don't have these six documents when you get to the airport, too bad, so sad. So that's that's one of the benefits of a, of a company like yours um, that you guys kind of take all the all the mystery out of it. You're doing all the research for us. Well, it's from day one that we've been dedicated to the maritime industry, Kitty. Um, you know, Tim, having come from a cruise line background, Cunard, et cetera, and starting the agency after he saw an opportunity, um, you know, not just for the cruise sector, but obviously being here in South Florida, branching off into private yacht, we've got a commercial uh, component as well. Um, and so, you know, people, they kind of laugh. They're like, wow, travel agencies, uh, you know, are they, are they still around? Are they still mm -hmm. out there? Um, I thought they went out with black and white police cars. But the fact is, if you are an agency and you're keeping the lights on now, it's because you're involved in a niche. You've got a specialty. Mm -hmm. And our thing is not Las Vegas honeymoons or trekking to Nepal. Um, it's getting crew back and forth to their jobs regardless of it. It's a yacht. It's cruise line, it's a cargo or a LNG carrier, et cetera. Um, and we need to keep, we need to stick to that um, because everything is needed yesterday, you know, no matter what, what area of the maritime industry you're in. And we I'd, definitely know that in the yachting industry. We, you, there's no waiting. It's just that yeah. we needed it yesterday. And, and I think in, yeah. in, in our industry, it's a very necessary service because you know, one minute you could be, and I've had this happen to me, one minute I'm off to Gibraltar, and then suddenly that changes, i got to go to Palma to pick up a piece for a boat to get down to Malaga, and you know, you can chop and change uh, so much that to try and use Skyscanner or something like that, it's just, you, you couldn't do it. You know, you need the backup of an experienced travel company that knows our industry, understands it, and, and can work with you in rerouting you at the drop of a hat. Um, and I've been very grateful on many occasions to, to have that backup when uh, before I did radio was doing VSAT installations. Yeah, and I think in the industry, we, 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 we really know the value of it. Outside of the industry, yeah, people kind of scratch their heads and go, what are travel agents? They're still around? But they are a, a very necessary thing. You, you hit on an interesting point in that uh, you know, like Florida, like so many other places uh, in Europe as well, we're seeing uh, spikes and, and the COVID numbers starting to, to creep up again. 
this doesn't really bode well for, for the next several months, does it? No. You know, um, governments are being very cautious. Um, and, you know, everybody, what we're seeing is that domestic travel will increase and international cross-border will, will be um, very conservative mm-hmm. uh, in the short term. And that's because, um, you know, nobody wants these spikes that are happening in the COVID, but they still have to keep the economies going. So there's that balance. Um, Kitty mentioned costs before, and what we're seeing right now is that domestically to get things started, there are some reasonable prices for, um, you know, the normal legs or normal routes that you would expect. Uh, However, they will be increasing. And we see the same in Europe already, actually. Um, You know, a a normal flight that you take from Nice to London um, is about 15% more expensive already than it used to be pre-COVID. And that's because the airlines have to try and get back some of this revenue. So travel, and this is the advice that we're giving to our clients right now, is when you're sitting down and, and doing your budgets and your forecasts for next year, please don't drop in the traditionally uh, traditional prices that you put in at least allow 15, 20% more on that airline ticket and hope that we can come in uh, underneath it. Oh, can well, I add to that as well of what I think might be, um, because we've certainly seen in Europe one or two airline companies really, I, I can't remember which one, but one of them, folded. a UK um, airline folded. Well, Virgin have gone declared bankruptcy in Australia, I think, and also one other of Virgin has declared has filed for bankruptcy in America. I think Virgin Atlantic, if I'm not mistaken. Virgin, uh, Virgin America was uh, bought out by uh, Alaska Airlines, um, so they've now come under that fold. I saw an interesting article about um, Virgin Australia yesterday, actually, Dave, and it says, well, the bankruptcy, you know, it, it looks bad on the surface, but it's not really. Um, what it appears to be, um, and the article was pretty interesting about what routes they're going to still maintain. They've got cash flow now, so mm-hmm. that'll help out. But you know that the thing is with airlines, um, you know, in the old days when they got into financial trouble, you know, they would go down the usual shopping list. Okay, we need to divest. Maybe we need to sell off a dozen slots at LaGuardia. Maybe we need to. Ex- uh, accelerate our retirement of the older planes that we have in our fleet. We need to look ahead to spring where we're going to have to really buckle down and play hardball with the mechanics unit. You know, there's all kinds of things like that. And what you see is, you know, even along with all that, the airlines for years and years, I mean, I can't think of another industry on that scale of economics that constantly ran in the red year after year. And you kind of fast forward and, you know, they've gotten smart. You know, it was kind of a shock when it's you have to pay for a seat or the things that you were used to and accustomed to getting for free, included with your ticket. Now they're going to charge you for, you know, people have gotten over that initial shock. And now it's just kind of part of the game. Didn't Ryanair Um, threaten to uh, put a coin meter on the toilet door at one stage? (laughs) <laughs> I, I kid you not. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it would not surprise me. But the bottom line is, it's about 
maximizing their their seat their seat inventory and their yield from that and every single seat adds up i mean the, the algorithms and everything that they use now is unbelievable so you look at something like covid um which has really changed obviously their landscape um and they've taken a few steps forward now it looks like they're going to be taking you know several more back if you're looking at an airline and they're now either making the decision out of social responsibility themselves or being mandated by a governing body, FAA or, or whomever it may be, that you can't, you can't book seats in the middle row or you need to stagger this or that. So you're looking at the prospect of flying an airplane maybe two-thirds two-thirds full, 50% capacity, you know, what's that going to look like? I can tell you one thing is the first thing that you're going to notice is, like Tim was talking about, there is going to be an increase uh, in costs. I mean, it would seem it would seem natural, no? Mm. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's actually <laughs> one of the things that Ryanair was asked. Uh, I keep going back to Ryanair because, well, we're Irish. And... Uh, he was talking about that very thing where if they're mandated that the center aisle has to be empty or that on each side of the plane it can only be one person uh, per row uh, on each side of the plane, he said, you know, it's no longer economical for us to, to fly. He said, I'd, I'd be better off just grounding my planes because otherwise we, we, you know, we can't afford to do it. And if we do... We're no longer a budget airline. We're going to have to be charging top dollar. At one point, um, I remember when Southwest first started out there, They, I had a conversation with some of them and I used to read about the need to fill their planes as much because they ran a lot of cargo um, and that offset a lot of the expense. Is that, do you find that that's happening with these airlines now that they, I mean, pr primarily they, a lot of them were running U.S. mail and like packages and stuff like UPS is saying that they can't keep up with their, their planes. Do you, is that, is that happening out there with the, with the commercial airlines still or? Yeah, it's still happening. And um, you're right. The volumes have increased. Um so some of the airlines have uh, leased out their aircraft to um, the FedExes and the UPSs and so forth. Um, but it's not a, a, enough of an impact to, you know, cause significant revenue changes to the airline's model. And they'll come back and when they do fly passengers, they'll stick the passengers for um, some extra dollars. Now, what about safety? I mean, you're now they're saying... Um, I also just read this week that whereas in between flights, airline, airplane, airlines were like sanitizing seats and sanitizing things and that they're going to stop doing that between flights because they couldn't maintain their turnaround times. Mm -hmm. I mean, from a safety perspective, even though people are wearing masks is, I mean, confidence and perception is, I think, 99% of it. Is I mean, would you guys say, I would think it's safer now than ever to travel because there's at least much more focused um, attention on cleanliness. But what, what do you guys think? I think ultimately the onus is back on individuals, to be honest, Kitty. You know, you've got the four W's. Wear a mask, wash hands, watch your distance, and walk away. Um, you know, in other words, 
don't get yourself into a situation where you're in a cluster of strangers or things like that. Um, and there's going to be a lot of weeble wobble with this. And, and you're seeing some of that with exactly the, the situation that you were in the example that you were speaking about, you know, the airlines are going to jump back and forth and, and eventually, you know, they're going to get it right. They have to, um, they really don't have a choice. So I think we're in that period where, look, this is the first rodeo for everyone. First time we've ever been through anything like this on this scale. And so there's going to be some trial and error and different, uh, different things in play. And I, I would advise um, any airline right now um, to sacrifice a schedule and talk, concentrate on the cleanliness of the aircraft instead, because mm. that's really what the consumer confidence is. Um, I, I know myself from getting on the flights this week that um, I could I noticed a big change in the aircraft. Um, it was clean, and that gave me confidence to sit down and and enjoy the flight as much as I could. Um, so I think it would be a big mistake if those airlines pull back some of these in between flights cleaning services, and they would get a lot more uh, bang for their buck for you know. Um, bit more support from the public if they continue those cleaning programs and promoting them as well. Can I add to that of just a, a comment that Pippa made on on her flight over because you know she coming from the UK they obviously were wearing masks and in the airport, but on their flight when over she, when she got to America though. Well, on on the way over she um, the air host was not wearing his mask you know he wasn't covering his nose with it and you know after noticing this back and forth and everyone else on the plane is wearing it you know covering your nose as as you should she made comment of you know please you're not wearing your mask correctly and he goes oh you know what I've been doing flights back and forth and I haven't got COVID yet I'm just fine and she said but it's not it's not because I'm worried about you catching it. It's to protect others from you. That's the point of the mask. You know, and it doesn't necessarily just protect us. It protects everyone else. So if everybody's wearing a mask, then you're protecting everyone else. Um, it brings up the importance as well for the, for the staff on board airlines that they get safety training and understand you know, for example, the reason for wearing a mask, you know, we do have already recycled air on an airline, which is less comforting, but to have an understanding or perhaps have a, a training on, on the safety protocols, I think would also give greater confidence um, to those traveling. The, the, the other thing that I've seen as well is that there's an expectation that, and, and I agree with Pippa was right, the, the air hostesses and stewards, they, they need to be setting the example, they, and especially because they're doing it all day, they need to be wearing the masks properly and, and, and demonstrating to people that this is, you know, this, this is the way we have to do things. But there's also now a new onus on the flight staff to police this. I've seen on s several flights where it's it's got very aggressive. In, in Europe, we're, we're a lot more compliant. You know, we we tend to roll over uh, and kind of go, okay, if that's what we got to do, we got to stay in. But in America, uh, there's a lot of people who feel it's infringing on their civil liberty that they're being told to wear masks. And there's been quite a few occasions where 
aircrew have said, no, sir, you, or madam, you've got to wear a mask, and it's turned into a physical altercation. Yeah, we've heard, heard those stories as well. But, um, but going back to, to the point just made there, um, I think one way that those situations like Pippa went through could be avoided is the airlines need to update their safety briefing videos mm -hmm. on the flights that I was on. It was the, uh, the old traditional one where they're blending in a bit of humor and making sure people click their seat belts and things. I think uh, we need to go for the next generation of safety videos, and maybe they're already doing this in Europe, um, whereby um, we show flight attendants um, doing the safety briefings with their masks on, and then there's a section in there for how to wear a mask. Um, and I think that would make everybody on board feel a little better and, and show training and, and how these things are up to date as well. So hopefully somebody from the airlines is listening to this. <laughs> well, we can always post them a copy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, I think that's really good advice because that those in, in in board safety pamphlets and videos, uh, we do need to see that because you know this is our new norm for who knows for how long. And I think it would be in comfort and, and informative for people to actually see that happening. So very good point. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, I think anyone in the yachting realm right now, you would probably at this point in time be just finishing up and putting a bow, dotting the I's and crossing the T's on the plans for the shows coming up in the fall. Mm. You know, the really uh, across the board for anyone who has anything to do with the industry, these next four months coming up to the end of the year were really... Um, kind of the high point of the bell curve, as it were. And it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. I mean, you know, with the shows, I mean, obviously Monaco was scratched. Yeah. And you got to think in terms of, well, okay, if I'm going to go to a show that's, you know, three or four days, am I going to have to quarantine? Am I going to have to go over two weeks early just to be able to do, you know, go to the show, then come back and probably face another quarantine? Um, when I get back home again, you know, it's um, it's it's interesting to watch how all this is going to shake out. And I swear, if anyone ever hears me complain and bitch and moan about having to work a yacht show again, I just want you to because I, I have this on record now. It's it. You got it. But it's just it's crazy. I hear you. I mean, what a difference a year makes. You oh. think about it. And uh, just everything that's happened, this, the, the speed and just um, the way it, it, it's a seesaw back and forth. And I know that people are getting tired of it. And, it, yeah, it makes me kind of pine and wax a little nostalgic for what I guess would call the good old days, even though the good old days was 10 months ago. The good old days was February. I mean, yeah. I was on a flight in February. And actually, I, I did fly just a, couple, a month or so ago to Connecticut before Florida became a hotbed. So, like, now we're having that Florida's just released the um, quarantine rules from New York. So you can come to Florida from New York without having to quarantine, but we can't go there without quarantining. So is that you say the big seesaw effect is that uh, now what was hot up north is now hot here. And now if I want to go up north, they, I, I'd have to self-quarantine 
even to the point where to get in and out of New York City, you have to like show your papers. Yeah, exactly. Now, we have been somewhat fortunate here in that most of the border controls and restrictions and all the protocols, you know, we find in general that most locations have made exemptions for seafarers. So, again, you know, we've been moving crew back and forth throughout all of our divisions, um, not so much on crews, obviously, but on the commercial and most certainly on the yacht side, um, it's been encouraging. Just as long as people carry their proper documentation, if they need to do a test before, um, you know, if they advise, you know, they'll self-quarantine upon arrival. Um, even U.S. passport holders going to the EU, you know, that was the big thing um, about all that. And listen, I get it. I understand it. You know, if you're not going to do the right thing, then we over here are going to band together and, and force you to, to reexamine your approach and how you're taking care of this, you know, the seriousness of it. Um, but we have been able to get U.S. citizens into Europe and back and forth. Um, other areas that are kind of bugaboos right now, the Caribbean is slowly kind of getting back. Uh, the Bahamas especially is something of keen interest to us just over the horizon here. Big market for yachts. Um, you know, and we still see traffic going in and out of there. We've been doing charters there since commercial service has been restricted. And the other big uh, target in the bullseye, I would think, would have to be South Africa at this point. Um, again, as you know, I've seen different intel briefings where there's not supposed to be any scheduled commercial air service into South Africa until November, probably looking more like the end of the year now. Um, now, we have been able to tap in with one of our partners, Qatar Airways, who is running a series of repatriation flights. So we are able to get people back and forth using them, which is good. Um, and that's the kind of thing we've been trying to do. You know, you got to you can't expect to do things the way that you used to and get and get similar or better results. You know, we have to get creative. We have to use what resources are out there, be it charter be it repatriation flights, anything that we can do to help keep the man moving. You know, that's why we're here. And, and one of the things that we talked about a few uh, weeks ago was with regards to crew, if they find themselves in a situation um, here where they're unable to get back to their home country and they're, they're running to the end of a visa time frame. So they're, they're getting ready to expire. What we've been saying, and in our words from the State Department, is that to file for extensions. So even if you think you might still be able to get out, to file for that extension, um, and it's because it's going to take weeks, you know, to have to process that paperwork but uh, not to overstay without having done that. So even if they're still working on trying to get repatriated flights or trying to get out or trying to get to their next place, uh, just want to reconfirm uh, and recommit to that to anybody that's crew listening. If you are in the United States and you're running at the end of a visa term, file that extension paperwork before it does expire so that you don't get into any hot water with that as well. Yeah, a thousand percent, Kitty. File your I-359s, uh, do your EOS, whatever it takes uh, in order to keep the visa. Now, you know, they're not going to, um, it, it, everything is backlogged right now. I mean, hell, right. 
I've been waiting since October just for my friggin' global fast pass to get through security. You know, the government was happy to cash my $100 check, and I'm still waiting for it. I understand that they got bigger fish to fry now, and it's not like I'm, you know, ready to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, but still, it just, you know, government entities, they tend to be backlogged anyway. So you, uh-huh. you throw this on top of it and just do, be your own best friend. Be your own um, advocate. Do what you got to do. You know, use as many resources as you can. Do the- and that's that's one of the great things about organizations like Global Marine Travel or having associations like us to be able to help unwind some of that. Because a lot of the U.S. consular offices overseas are closed so that they're, you know, we can help um, direct people to other places. And just like you guys have the relationships with other airlines and ways of figuring it out that they're not going to be able to find on their own just through Expedia. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is having a thought for what you were saying about the the trade shows that we normally would have at this time of year. Uh, Speaking with John Courtney, the, if you're the emperor of, of good times, he's the, what of fun air, would you call him? Captain of fun. I don't know, but he's a, he's used to traveling for several months of the year. He's constantly uh, at some show or he's in Monaco or South of France, etc. And also, speaking with uh, Colin Squire of Yachting Matters magazine, who spends easy seven, eight months of the year traveling around delivering his, his magazines. There's a lot of people out there who are suffering mentally from not traveling. And, and they're finding it very difficult. Uh-huh. Uh, the, being at home for so long and not being at trade shows and not being able to get on flights, so there's a lot of trauma going around, which I, I don't know if people recognize. Absolutely. I I mean, I know, I mean, because I know, Tim, you traveled all the time. Sean, same with you. Mm. Same. I haven't been home this long (laughs) in, in, I don't know when, I don't know how long. And everybody I talk to from other places, I mean, we're all very Zoom weary and just want to get on a plane and go somewhere and go, you know, go see our colleagues someplace else or, you know, look forward to a show I mean, you know, look, we were looking forward to the Monaco show and seeing everybody there that got canceled. Uh, you know, Ibex got canceled. You know, there's, there's, you know, Flibs is, is full speed ahead according to everything that they're saying at this point. I mean, the fact that uh, Disney world is open uh, for business and they're operating under a similar kind of mindset and guidelines as the Disney world. So they say they're going to go forward. And um, I have seen just recently some reconstructed tent layouts that does um, reduce the amount of uh, people in there. So hopefully fingers are crossed that that show will actually happen, but then nobody from the, from Europe can come. (laughs) So uh, it'll be a, it'll be a good local show. Um, but they, you know, but most of it in the U.S., you know, Lord, Lord willing that the hotspot here in Florida continues our positive trend um, away from being such a hotspot. Um, we've had now a couple weeks of declining positivity testing, but they're uh, hopefully uh, it, that continues. Well, decli- yeah. Declining I, I, testing or de- declining infections? Or, or I suppose it goes hand in hand. If you're doing less tests, you're going to find less people infected. 
Well, that's that's part of it. You know, we had the the hurricane last week. Oh yeah. Um, that so a lot of the testing sites were um, closed for several days. So you know they're trying to sort out whether it was a few. It, it's not the the positivity rate is dropping. So even amongst those testing. Um, that are happening, the positivity rate of those tests is starting to starting to come down. And it's been like a week or two after, over week that the the that is dropping. So that's a good sign. Um, I really uh, I don't want to walk the plank of political incorrectness, but I, I kind of will Tim. do that anyway. <laughs> and I honestly, my gut tells me nothing is going to change in the U.S. until the elections in early November. That that's just my gut feel. I, there's nothing with the current administration that makes me believe that they're doing anything more constructive or more proactive. I just gonna. I think it's gonna be rinse and repeat, more of the same. So so that's pretty much what I've circled on the calendar there. You know, as far as the shows go, Kitty. Um, personally, I have a little bit of hope for. I think Antigua. And the reason I say that is because the format of the show, it's not really your traditional uh, pavilions and tents and, and all the other things that go with a show like Monaco or Flids. It's not, it's not set up the same. It's on the docks. It's outside. It's easy to socially distance and, and you know, follow protocols. Now, you know, you're not going to see things like yacht hops and things like that. But still, I just uh, I think it would be great timing in order to jumpstart for the 2021 season for charter. Um, so I've kind of got my fingers crossed and lighting a votive that 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 one out of any of them is the one that that happens. Yeah. And I know that uh, we're doing there's going to be another Steel Point boat show in Connecticut at the end of September. That is still a go. We had a successful show at the end of June. And uh, there'll be a number of charter boats there um, at the end of September. So that's a good sign. And hopefully that will uh, that'll be a good well, they, uh, opener for some of that they'd um, kept happening their, here. They've kept the attendance numbers really low. And they had a huge amount of space as well where people could spread out. Correct. Um, so they yes. did, they did a, a very and, good job. And it will be a similar, very similar format. It'd be a limited attendee type of scenario, and uh, but uh, but it was very successful, and the, the, all of the dealers that were there, I mean, sold boats, and you know, as we've as we've seen week after week, that the, the market's still pretty hot, and um, yeah, people are selling boats, and people are going boating, and people are going RVing, and uh, you know, one of the the political things that that's happened in this last week. Um, actually this week, the president signed, um, the great American outdoors act, uh, which, uh, was, the the single largest investment in America's public lands and waters that we've had in decades. Um, so that's a, a, a great thing. It was a bipartisan act, which is really unusual in our, our congressional, world these days um so that was that was really exciting and that's been what, that's going to be a really positive thing for our waterways here in what, the u.s what, what's the, the 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 basic of that act is it to improve facilities of waterways uh, yes yeah, so it's maximizing outdoor recreation access uh maintenance it uh funds the backlog on maintenance of public lands in 
building infrastructure like docks and ramps and parking facilities, um, being able to, it's, it's really as much of anything as a, is an access, is a water access type of uh, okay. bill. Um, whereas that a lot of those projects have been left um, undone. Um, and it's actually, it was added, another 900 million was added in permanent funding to the Land and Water Conservation Fund to uh, continue to restore these facilities over the next five years. Oh, so, so that's for like you know, uh, places like the Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah, Yosemite and oh, Yosemite. any of these areas where, well, I mean, even here in South Florida, I mean, some of our launch ramps and, and docking facilities are, are aging out and really need access. Some of the in the in the western areas of, you know, some of the lakes and access in the, um, the center uh, part of the country where there's, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of boating activity. Um, not super yachts necessarily, but um, but things. still people being able to get out on the water. So it was it was one of the the things that 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 all of the associations in the United States we were all pushing towards is that we want to get people out on the water and thinking about it, and this just makes it that much easier. Yeah. Do you know what I think um, is that I think it's an opportunity that that's really being missed out in America of what I think would be an absolutely awesome theme park. And I'd love your, your your view on this, Tim and Sean. There's a place in the Mojave Desert that's the graveyard of aeroplanes. It's awesome. I've and, been there. I would think that would be, I don't know if it's a theme park kind of place, but, you know, if I was in the neighborhood, I would love to spend a couple of days there just looking at, because they've got this whole spectrum of, of old planes. And because it's so dry and, and non-damp, you don't have them rusting there. They're, they're pretty decent shape i think what well, that would be an awful uh, a great opportunity to turn that into a place or, or is it already a theme parky type place well uh you know at the rate that it's going right now dave the thing is you'd have a lot more to look at i mean the way that they're on <laughs> our, our our parking aircraft just yeah. to wait through this you know uh but yeah i'm a plane geek i get it and to me it would be great you know um, it's actually it is actually a, a place where you can go and visit. I mean, one of the the old Air Force One that J- JFK oh, yeah. flew is there, and um, there's a lot of old war jets there and helicopters. It's a really really cool place. Uh, well, I'll put that on my bucket list. Yep, and then uh, back in in our our USSA legislative side, we've been working signing on to bills to support the uh, another round of stimulus funding, which we're hoping continues this week before uh, the House and Senate go on break. Because I can imagine if they go on break and don't come up with something, um, I think that we might have some more than rioting in the streets. Uh, are they, going, are they um, taking a break given um, the COVID situation that are they there's still- well I, I find it interesting that they would take a break at all considering yeah. what's going on in the world at anyway but yes they still plan to take a break well i but, suppose they've uh, got elections for the senate you've got elections coming in november so they'd be keen to get back and do some canvassing and and stuff like that for the those elections wouldn't they well yeah there's a, yeah november is a big uh, big election time on a lot of fronts mm. so yeah there's a lot going on but uh, hopefully we get that done and we can keep some of the unemployment money flowing to um, our very needy people and 
um, out there that are, you know, that are I, struggling. But. As I was saying, I was talking with uh, uh, John Courtney yesterday, Fun Air, and I, I hadn't realized, I, I've seen figures and, and you, know, you see the media, but I hadn't realized how, how acute it was. He's based in, in Austin in Texas. And he was saying he no longer just hops in the car and, and goes to a shop if he wants to get something. He now phones up for two reasons. One, uh, to make sure they're still in business. And the other, you know, just to see COVID-wise, is there a better time to go there when there's not crowds? But I, I had no idea that, that it had been, it's that a cue that he'd actually be phoning up just to check that they're still in business and it's worth going to see them. It's, uh, it's, it's that, it's that tough. And, uh, but that's, it's, that's why it's good to be able to keep people moving Mm because what that these guys are doing at global Marine is, uh, keeping people moving, which is keeping people working and keeping yachts moving, which brings work to every, as we've seen and talked about the economic benefits of yachts being able to move around um, getting crew to those boats is is equally as important. So yeah. no, there's certainly uh, a linchpin in the industry, and uh, absolutely very necessary, uh, especially in I, these times. I wanted to interject, just you know, even if you're not on a boat right now, if you need to travel uh, to look to look for work, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, and and you're the one that's on the hook, you're the one that's paying. You know, we deal with individual crew all the time, um, and for us. It's great. It's great marketing because they'll go to a boat on one of our tickets, crew talk, they talk to each other, and it's a great way to leave fingerprints on different boats, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's it's a grassroots kind of, of marketing effort, but we're happy to work with individuals as well as boats, management companies, if you're a surveyor, an auditor. Anyone that's traveling on behalf of yacht-related business is eligible to fly on the marine fares. Could I just say, um, though, if you do leave fingerprints on the boat, do uh, bring a sanitary wipe and don't let the students see you. My shammy's at the dry cleaner right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. No, the, very, very quickly, there was a boat that I did some work on, and she was a Benetti, and the, the people who owned it, and it was it was incredible. You walk into the salon and it was pure white. There was nothing that wasn't pure white except a single stemmed lily on the table in the middle of the salon. And I, it, it was striking. You go in and you see that. And I remember saying it to the stewardess. I said, "Wow, this you know, it's so simple, but yet it's the most striking salon I've ever seen." And she said, "Man, this is the bitchiest salon I've ever worked on." She said, one single fingerprint screams at you. (laughs) It's a nightmare to have. (laughs) On the flip side of that, just ask any of the boys topside on the deck when they have a black or a navy blue hull and see how much fun they have with that, keeping it clean. (laughs) (laughs) Or on a boat inside when everything is black, they show way more fingerprints. And having worked on boats myself, you want to sometimes shoot those interior designers and saying, what were you thinking with suede walls? <laughs> hey, well, Jack. <laughs> black interiors have, uh, anyway, moving on. Um, it's the end of the hour, unfortunately. Tim, Sean. It goes by so fast. It's- well, you can find uh, Global Marine Travel's information on the U.S. Super Yacht Association website, mm-hmm. and that's ussuperyacht.com. Um, you can go through the membership directory there, 
or you can find them on their their own site. Um, if you, you guys want to give your your info, I don't have it yeah, right here in front of me. Uh, fly F L Y G M T dot com. So fly G M T dot com. And uh, no, I appreciate uh, what you guys are doing, and um, thank you very much for the time and. Uh, we're here to help anybody that um, has any travel-related questions. Yeah. I think the thing that I'd like to leave with people is that, um, as we've found here uh, in travel, being one of the hardest-hit industries with COVID, um, mm. you know, if you see doors closing around you, look for a window and open it. And you know, I want you to grab your coworkers, your colleagues, and your customers and help them get through it, too, because... You know, while the way we are used to doing things might not work anymore, but you need to get creative and manufacture smarter, innovative approaches to achieving your goals. And, you know, honestly, this goes for your personal as well as your professional lives. Yep. I couldn't agree with you more. When God op closes the door, he opens a window. Unfortunately, on my window, he put railings, so I still can't get through the damn thing, but... <laughs> Good advice. Tim and Sean, thank you so much for, for spending some time and, and, and much knowledge with us. Um, that's flygmt.com. And um, if you can't remember that, just go to Global U Marine Travel. US. Thanks for having us over, guys. We really appreciate it's it. It's a pleasure. Always here for, and for you. Have a lovely rest of your day. And uh, thanks you again for mm -hmm. uh, giving the U.S. Super Yacht Association this opportunity to talk about what's happening over here. Uh, Kitty, this is your Cheers. hour. This is your Bye hour. Guys. Thank, thank you for letting us in. Uh, Tim and Sean, just to say, if something happens in your industry, if there's some changes that you want to talk about, we're always available to you. Just let us know directly or through Kitty and come back on air and talk to us about what's going on. We're here for you guys as much as you are there for the industry. Thank you for your service and, and all the help you give sailors. And um, I hope to uh, hope to be talking to you soon about getting a flight somewhere, maybe even Antigua. You've been listening to Update USSA. It's time for us to get back to some music. This is Super Yacht Radio.